you have a Bible or electronic device, I'm going to invite you to turn to Hebrews chapter 10, and uh, we will be uh, there in just a few moments. I wanted to say, as we begin this new ministry year, uh, where we're going in uh, the days ahead. So between now and Christmas and the new year, we're planning a number of series. First today is a two-week series called Reset. Today we're looking at uh, resetting with God and the importance of weekly worship. And then next week we'll be looking at resetting with people, with God's people and the importance of unity uh, within the church family and in our culture, in our world, even in our nation, Canada, there's so much division, but God has called us to be one. So we'll be looking at that next week. Following that, uh, we will begin a new series called Emotions and Relationships. Uh, In our relationships, we cannot be close to God and people and spiritually mature if we are emotionally immature. And we're going to be looking at how to cultivate those good emotions and those emotions that, that sometimes we struggle with, how we can manage them so that we will be drawn to God and to people. And then following that, we're going to begin uh, our big series of this ministry year in the Gospel of John uh, called, What If Everything Jesus Said Was True? And for about five months, we're going to be looking at the elevated Jesus and desiring that others would meet and know and follow him as well. In between or in that, embedded in that, is a series on the family. And so those are just a few of the things we're looking forward to in the days ahead. Think back with me. One and a half year, years ago, to March 20, uh, March 2020. It was there that public health officials in Canada realized that the coronavirus had, had come into our land and after discussion and, and with so many unknowns decided to uh, place restrictions on the people of Canada in our province of Ontario and as well as the church. And uh, it was at that time that we as leaders of the church, as elders of the church, uh, prayed about uh, this issue of, of in-person gathering. And uh, with so many unknowns, we decided that we would stop our in-person gatherings. We'd comply with the government, and we would, for a season, have online services. And during that time, we, we came up with this idea of life communities and how we can stay connected to one another. Well, for many of us, this last year and a half has broken that rhythm or that habit of gathering together on Sunday in person to worship our God. Uh, It's the first time in my life I was brought to church as a a young boy and I sat in on a wooden pew with no cushions and uh, I had to sit still and more than once my mother or father had to take me out of the service and then I would rejoin at a later date. But it was week after week, and for the last year and a half, I have been out of the rhythm, and we have been out of the rhythm, and today we're going to talk about reestablishing that rhythm of coming together in person to worship our God. Now, if you're watching online, uh, and you haven't been at the church in a year and a half, We want to say to you, you are greatly missed. Your absence is noted. Uh, We as a church family, we need you. We want you here. But we also understand there may be reasons 
that you haven't reestablished that, that rhythm yet. Maybe it's to do uh, with compromised health, uh, your compromised health or someone in your family. Maybe it's to do with children. Maybe it's to do with the workplace and your job, your place of employment. We understand there's reasons. And so, um, but we do want to say we miss you. And in time, at the right time, the proper time, you too need to reestablish the rhythm of weekly worship, of celebrating big with other Christians. So let me ask this, though, before we begin today. Why should we do that? What, it is easier, is it not, to have online worship? I don't know about you, but more than once, myself or another family member, we would gather in front of our television in our pajamas, and I would sip a cup of hot coffee. It's so easy. Coming to work, or coming to work, coming to, to worship, that process takes effort. And especially if you have young kids, it takes a lot of effort, right? It's, why bother? It's easier to, to stay at home. And why bother to worship at all? Why bother to go to church at all? There is so many other things that we could do on a Sunday. Uh, I mentioned this uh, not too long ago, but uh, my wife and I, with our three grown children, um, went on a plane, boarded a plane, and we went out to the West Coast, and we spent some time in, for a week in Alberta and then British Columbia. And while we were there for that week, one of the days was set aside, a part of the day for hiking, and typically we had kind of things laid out, but this one day was kind of open, so I went on All Trails, uh, that app, and I put in our location, and I started to look at the different hikes that we could go on as a family. And there was one trail, one photo that captured my attention, and it was of this uh, guy who was on the top, uh, he was on the summit of a mountain, and he had his hands open like this, and you could just see mountain ranges all around him. And I'm like, that's the one we need to go on. Uh, the problem was, is that they rate these different hikes, and this one was rated hard. Uh, there's easy, moderate, and hard. And when I saw that, that rating, I recalled the words of my high school friend who helped me put this trip together. He lives out there. He said, listen, you're from Ontario, and you think you can hike in the mountains. Okay, stick to the easy hikes. I was kind of disappointed until I went on the reviews, and there was this couple, and they said, we took our 11- and 14-year-old kids with us. It was great. I thought, my kids are older than that. We can do this. So we went on this hike, supposedly two hours up and two hours down. Now, getting there was a 20-minute drive on the worst road that I've ever been on in my life. Uh, and, uh, and the fact, too, was that we were the only ones on this mountain. Um, but after about an hour or so, my wife, it looked like her and I couldn't go any further. So we got to a point, we said to our three kids, hey, listen, uh, we're going to stop here. If you can make it to the summit, um, take lots of pictures, and um, if you can. And they made it to the summit, and they showed us the video and the pictures, and I just like, oh, I wanted to be there so much. But here's what's interesting. When I went on that app, All Trails, there wasn't like one or two mountains that we could hike on. There were numerous hikes all around us and if you go anywhere in the province of British Columbia or Alberta, there's just more and more hikes in these beautiful mountains. And I was coming back thinking, oh God, please, could I just take one mountain back to Elmira? Could we just transplant one? 
Is it any coincidence in the last couple decades that the province of British Columbia has the lowest church attendance? So much to do, so many beautiful sights that God's given us. Why do I need to be in church? And we may not have mountains all around us here, but we can still fill our time with different things on a Sunday. So why should we make the effort to be here? Why is it important to be here? And why is it good to be here? And please hear my heart. Uh, this is not so that we can get people here to check you know, the attendance. Hey, we've got lots of people. It's for your benefit. And not simply because studies, there's been a plethora of studies that say that people that go to religious services are happier, healthier, and live longer. Harvard University 2020 just came out with a, a study, and again, showing that correlation between religious services and public health. And as we see the decline in the public services, uh, 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 religious services, we see an, uh, a decrease in public health. So there is that connection, but there's more to being here on a Sunday. So why should you and why should I be here together? And again, if you're watching online, uh, glad you're here, but in time, may you reestablish the rhythm of weekly worship. So if you have Bibles, Hebrews chapter 10, I'm going to be reading verses 23 through 25. The writer of Hebrews writes this, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. 2,000 years ago, the writer of Hebrews said, listen, you need to meet together. The word in the Greek is episynagogon, which means to assemble together. Uh, it means just assembling together as, as followers of, of God, of Jesus. Uh, but it does apply to our Sunday gatherings. He says you need to meet together. And then he notes that some had the habit or the rhythm of not doing that. Now in their day, it had a lot to do with persecution. In our day, it just a host of other things we could be doing. But 2,000 years later, God is still saying to you and to me, don't neglect meeting together. Now we know down uh, through history that God's people have met together for weekly worship. In the Old Testament, prior to the coming of Christ, people would gather on a Saturday, on the Sabbath, honor the Sabbath, keep it holy, Remember the Sabbath, keep it holy. And so they would gather on Saturday to worship. We're told in Luke chapter 4 that Jesus, when he went to his hometown of Nazareth, that he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath, as was his custom, that rhythm of weekly worship. Now, in the new, after the time of Christ, that day Saturday has then been changed to Sunday. Most Christians today gather on Sunday because that was the day of the Lord's resurrection. Uh, Luke records this for us in Acts 20, verse 7. On the first day of the week, we gathered with the local believers to share in the Lord's Supper. Paul was preaching to them, and since he was leaving the next day, he kept talking until midnight. I like that second part, talking till midnight. I promise you, I'm not talking to midnight. Most guest speakers, we say, hey, can you speak for 30 minutes, 40 max? Um, if the Apostle Paul showed up uh, like he did at the church at Troas, we say, okay, you got it a little bit longer. Um, but notice, they gathered together on the first day of the week on Sunday. And here we are 2,000 years later, and we too are gathering 
together. And what did they do, do when they gathered? What did they do and what did we do? Well, Luke tells us in Acts chapter 2 that when they gathered together, he gives us a picture that they prayed together, they sang and praised God together, they read scripture and taught scripture together, and they celebrated the Lord's Supper together. And we're told by Luke that as the good news of Jesus kept going out and uh, new people put their faith in Jesus and, and, and they would gather as well. And today we gather, again, not simply to check off a box, not simply to try to get God to like us. We gather because of who we are. We are God's children. We've come into a relationship with him because of what Jesus did for us on a cross. And so we gather to sing and to pray and to rejoice and to learn because of our identity. We're new creations. We're the family of God. We have a new identity. We have a new destination. And until we see our God in the face of Jesus Christ, we gather together and singing and praising and uh, looking into God's word together are expressions of who we are. If you're a new believer, you're called to gather and express your identity of that. So the writer of Hebrews says, don't neglect meeting together as the habit of some. You need to be in weekly worship now, he gives us a number of reasons why it's good to be here, why we need to be here. First, we need to be reminded weekly of the hope we have. Uh, this world that we live in, uh, it is so easy to lose our hope. Just turn on the news and your hope will be diminished. Uh, in your own life, as you struggle with things, it's so easy to lose hope. It's so easy to be defeated. It's so easy to worry. It's so easy to be cynical. It's so easy to grow hopeless, but we need to be reminded of the hope that we have. Look what the writer of Hebrews says in verse 23. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. Hey, hold tightly. Don't waver from this. Hold your hope, the confession of your hope. What's the confession of our hope? It's the confession that Jesus Christ died on a cross, rose on the third day, so our sins could be forgiven, we could be restored with God and have eternal life with him. It's the gospel, the good news. And ultimately, our hope is Jesus, a person. And so we come together so we won't swerve, so we can hold this hope of Jesus together. And here's the challenge of making that effort to be here so you can be reminded of that hope. Hope. I want to speak for just a moment to those of you that might be highly online Christians, uh, where you're on social media a lot, whether it's TikTok or Instagram or um, Facebook or Twitter. Um, there, there's an upside to social media. It can be used good, but we're finding in studies if you're on there too much, there's a danger. And one of the dangers for Christians is that they can get into a bias-confirming online bubble where the Christian starts to just hear the other voices and read and, and listen to the other voices of a particular tribe online. And what can happen, what they find happening in the Christian church in North America is these highly online Christians, their desire for their tribe is growing and they have this greater desire for their tribe and what they want rather than what God wants. And with that, a natural progression of that is a growing desire to not be in things such as scripture uh, or the church in things that don't fit perfectly with the narrative that they're ingest, 
jesting online. It's a danger out there. Uh, so we need to be reminded weekly of this hope. And if, if you're a part of a tribe that's saying, you know what, this church, every church needs to be perfect or think exactly in every single thing, that's wrong. We need to be together to be reminded of the hope that we have. And if you're a follower of Jesus, and if you're not, I mean, you place your faith in Jesus Christ. But as a follower of Jesus, no matter what you are going through this week or next week, you have every reason to hope. Every reason to hope. Why? Because your hope is tied to Jesus Christ. He's the anchor of our soul. Look what the writer of Hebrews says. He says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope, holding on to Jesus and the good news, without wavering, for he, or because he who promised is faithful. This God that we have will keep his promises. He is faithful. He is alive. And we need to come to church not only just to be reminded of the hope that we have in Jesus, but so that we can encounter God together that our God is alive, he's still at work in our world, in your life, and that we can encounter this faithful God. Jesus said it this way, for where two or three gather in my name, there am I with them. That Jesus makes that promise that when we gather in his name, he manifests his presence in a special way among us. And yes, obviously, we can encounter God anywhere in his creation. There's not any space in his creation where we can encounter God. And yes, we have the Holy Spirit where we can worship anywhere. But God has said, when you come together, in my name, Jesus said, I'm right there. I want to show my presence in a special way that something profound can happen. I know in my life, as I've gone to church over the years, is every single Sunday a perfect 10 where I'm just like leaving uh, totally inspired and just, wow, it was great to be here. Maybe not every Sunday, no. A lot of Sundays, that hasn't been the case. But there has been Sundays when I've been taking the Lord's Supper and being reminded that he's forgiven me of all my sins. There's been times when I've been worshiping and the worship team has been leading us in worship. There's been times when someone has been speaking from God's word where I've encountered God. And I've said to him, it's good to be here. I want to ask you, when you come to church, you come with that expectancy, I want to encounter this faithful God, this living God, this God that wants to speak to me. Uh, Warren Wisby, the great Bible teacher, um, said this uh, to, to pastors. He said, listen, the word of God is active. It's alive. Don't make it boring. But he said, even if you're in a service where the, the pastor or the teacher is boring, if the word of God is being taught, if you hear it, God can still work through his Holy Spirit and take his word and change you where we can meet with our living God. Here at Woodside, please know, and if, if you're a guest with us, here at Woodside, we want each Sunday as we gather to hold up the truth about God as well as the experience of God. In other words, we want to help people to engage with their minds with God, but also with their emotions, with their head, but also with their hearts. Woodside is not a church that is slanted towards emotionalism, neither are we slanted towards intellectualism. We want to worship in spirit and truth, both. I've been in services, maybe you've been in services, where a church is all about the emotional experience, 
but the word of God is not central. And some of those services can run wild. But I've also been in services where it's been all about what you know. It's almost like your theological grid is to be used as a weapon. You believe every little thing and not this thing and you need to know. And it's like it's an end in itself. Woodside is, ought to be a place where we hear the truth about God and it stirs our affections. Change me, God. I want to meet you. Uh, we see this all through the Psalms. Let me invite you, if you have a Bible, just to turn quickly to Psalm 95, and we see this connection of the truth of God with the experience of God. Psalm 95, uh, the psalmist uh, gives this invitation, O come. So, people of God, let's come together. O come, let us, notice what he says, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. Oh, let your emotions be stirred. Oh, sing to him, praise to him. But it's tied to the truth about God. Who is God? Look what he says. For the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth. The heights of the mountains are his also. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. Oh, sing to him and praise him, because he is the creator God. He has no rival. He's in control. In other words, when we hear the truth about God, that he's our creator, our sustainer, our redeemer, that he is immutable, he doesn't change, that he is omniscient and omnipresent, that he is self-existent and eternal, and all of these attributes of greatness, that's to stir our hearts, to sing and praise him for who he is. But the psalmist gives us a second invitation. Verse 6, O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. Again, our affections. Oh, let us kneel before him. Let us bow down before him. Let us worship him. Why? For he is our God and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Because of his goodness, we're his people. He's made a way for us to be his people. The goodness of God. Friends, be reminded today that you don't have a relationship with God, that you're not going to live with God for all eternity, that you're not going to see the face of God in the, in the face of Jesus Christ because of what you've done, because of who you are, but simply because of his grace, his amazing grace and mercy and love. And when you understand your desperate condition, you have no hope, and you realize what Christ has done for you on the cross and how good he is, you bow down, you, bow down, you worship. You praise him. So when we gather each Sunday in the year ahead, may we gather with an attitude of expectancy that the God we're gathering in the name of is a God who is faithful, who is alive, who wants to speak to each of us. He wants to change us and transform us into his image. It's easy in our culture, in our world, in your life, to grow hopeless, to be defeated, to be weary and want to give up, to be anxious, to be fearful. But when we gather together and we see God for who he is and what he does, all of that is confronted and we worship. We need today in the church an elevated vision of our God because we live in a culture that does not have an elevated vision of him. The, the worst thing, the most dangerous thing in your life 
is when you lose the fear of God, the reverence of God, the awe of God, that you alone are God, you have no rival, and we are your people, oh God, may I worship you. And if you're a parent uh, with children, or even a grandparent, and your children come to church, your grandchildren, you don't simply just say, and again, we're all in a journey here, but you don't simply just say, what did you learn today? That's a good thing. But you also want to say, did you pray today? Did you sing today? Did God say something to you today? Our God is faithful and alive. I know for me, one of the things I've discovered over this last uh, year and a half is I have gone from someone who had to go to church to someone in his younger years as a youth and young adult that got to go to church to a person who needs to go to church. I need to encounter this God. I need to worship him. We gather weekly to be reminded of our hope and encounter this faithful living God, but we also gather to be challenged to love people. Verse 24, the writer of Hebrews says, and let us, again, notice all the the plural pronouns, us, we, our, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. We live in a culture where people are constantly um, being told to live for themselves, your time, your money, your energy, it's about you, it's your story. We need to be reminded there's a bigger story, that you have a greater purpose than just you. You're to live for God and you need to be challenged on a weekly basis. Don't live for yourself, live for him. We need to gather so apathy doesn't set in because let's be honest, it is so easy to be comfortable and spend all of my time, my energy, my money on myself. But we need to be challenged to stirring one another up. The word stir has the idea of provoke, provoking one another to love and good works. Did you know that our friendship club ministry, when it started at this church, that there were some people that must have said, hey, let us consider, which means to, to give thoughtful attention to, to be at- intentional about, who, who said, hey, we have special needs adults, adults with special needs. What can we do for them? How can we love them? How can we bless them? And so we have a friendship club. We also have an evergreen ministry reaching out to seniors. And again, Someone was looking out and saw the needs. Hey, some seniors, we need to get together once in a while so that we're not alone and we need to sing and maybe share a meal together. And so folks were stirred to love and good works. And the different ministries that we've had at Woodside, there's been a need, the Benevolent Fund, the Benevolent Team, seeing needs. Let us do love, show love, and let's do some good works. And I want to challenge you today, too, that we not only need to reestablish that rhythm of celebrating big, but we also need to establish the rhythm of sharing the work of being involved in the church and or engaged in mission, the rhythm of outside of the church seeking to be a blessing to people in the name of Christ. So can you be reminded today that you're not to be living for yourself in some way, whether it's you praying for people on a regular basis or, or giving your money or different things that you are loving people and doing good work. And then the the writer of Hebrews ends with this, not neglecting, in verse 25, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. That we need to, to gather together and not neglect it so that we can encourage or give courage to one another. 
Did you know that your presence here today, the power of your presence, that that's an encouragement to me? I hope when you look around and you see others, and uh, this, uh, today we had, a, you know, our parking lot was just f- full of people. That's an encouragement. That's the way God has it, that, that we look around and we say, it's good to be here. I'm not alone. I'm not sure about you, but as I live in this culture, sometimes I need to be reminded, I'm not crazy giving my money to the cause of Christ when I could be spending it on myself. If I'm on it, that's another story. Um, I'm not crazy giving up a Sunday to be with other Christians. I'm not crazy to follow this Jesus and want to be a blessing to other people. And when we see one another, we're giving courage to one another. And can I encourage you that it's not just on Sunday morning, but there's also connecting small with people, that with someone in the church, whether it's a prayer partner in a life group, that's uh, something that we want to reestablish, that rhythm of meeting with some other Christians, life groups. But you have at least one person in your life that's giving you courage, and you're giving them courage. That you have a group of people that you're walking through life with that know you, you know them, you're giving them courage, and they're also giving you courage. We do not want one single person at Woodside alone, that everybody has at least one person. And to our youth, um, you need encouragement. You need another Christian beside you. To our young adults, you need other, another Christian or Christians beside you. To our newly married, something that, that, that we've seen uh, over the years in the Christian churches is sometimes a couple will get newly married and they'll move to a different location and there's a new job or a new place of residence or there's new activities and they don't get connected to a church. Oh, they'll go the odd time, but over time, they begin to disappear. We need our newly marrieds, need other Christians to give them courage to keep following Jesus. Parents, our children need to be in Sunday school on a regular basis, a consistency where they have other Christians around them we need to be encouraging one another. So why should we gather? Yes, to be happier, healthier, and to live longer. But we need to gather so that this God who is alive can fill us with hope, that we can encounter him and be reminded that we've got hope, that we can push through our fears and our worries, that we can be reminded that life is not about ourselves, but it's about him and, and doing something, trying to bless somebody in his name. And we could be reminded that we're not alone, that there's other Christians, and, and we need to be encouraging one another. Der, uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer said it this way, the physical presence of other Christians is a source of incomparable joy and strength to the believer. And uh, some of you know Dietrich Bonhoeffer was executed in the Nazi regime. And in his book, Life Together, he says, oh, it's just so good for Christians to be together for the joy and the strength that they give one another. And then notice that that the writer of uh, of Hebrews says this as well, that we're to be encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Oh, don't neglect meeting together all the more as the day is drawing near. What day? It's the day of the Lord in Scripture. It's referenced in a number of ways, but ultimately it's the day that Jesus Christ returns. It's the day of judgment and reckoning. No one gets away with sin. Nobody can hurt people and kill people and get away with it. There's a day of reckoning, but it's also the day of salvation to all who put their faith in God's Son and what he did for them on the cross. It's a day when their faith will become sight and their hope will be realized. And until that day... May we 
worship weekly. I'm going to invite you uh, at this time to to bow your heads, and I'm going to ask you, will you reestablish the rhythm, the habit of gathering weekly? Will you make make it a priority? And again, for those watching online at the right time, and it's not about attendance each and every week, but it's about a rhythm where you're coming together to worship God. Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you um, that when we come together, you are here in our midst. Surely you are in this place. And Lord, we thank you that we can gather in your name in the country of Canada. And Lord, you are worthy of all our praise. Help us each week to shout your praise, to sing your praise, not only because of your greatness and who you are, but because of your goodness and all that you do. We thank you that you love us. Lord, we need you together. And we pray this in your name. Amen.